It was a hot qualifying session under the lights in Jeddah this weekend. Who do you think took pole position? Let's find out on the Apex F1 podcast. everybody and welcome to this weekend's episode of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix qualifying. We have a lot to dig into today because this was an excellent, excellent qualifying. We also have a special guest on the show today. He will be joining us and we will give him a proper introduction um, as soon as he joins us here. But Josh, what a qualifying today. What did you think about it? I was just blown away by changes and everything that everybody has had and it's just incredible what you can do in such a short amount of time i can't believe some of the things that happened but we'll get into that but it was just overall very entertaining weekend so far yeah absolutely i i was i was actually out to breakfast this morning since it is my birthday today i i actually was like on the edge of my seat like and the waitress even had to ask me are you okay (laughs) so i was i was a little worried but i mean i was i it was so so awesome i was i was excited to see it happen um but why don't we go ahead and get into it right now All right, so why don't we dig into Free Practice 3, uh, because this was quite a bit of controversy in the beginning, where basically it seemed like Alpine had taken their first paddock curfew uh, of the night. Just to kind of elaborate on that, each team is only allowed two paddock curfew violations per year, so or per season, per se. They basically stayed all throughout the night and worked on the car because they were having issues with it because of poor F2, or I'm sorry, free practice two uh, session on Friday night. So they went in, they worked on the engine, they worked on the car, definitely looked a lot more solid this this round. Um, I don't know. What do you what do you think, Josh? I really enjoyed watching Alpine, uh, Gasly, and Esteban Ocon. I really liked just watching them two drive, and they put on some really good times, and it really surprised me that they worked on it so late. I didn't really think that they had any problems other than what Gasly said about the brakes, but uh, the the biggest team that had a problem for me was Ferrari. There was just so many things going on for them that wasn't allowing them to be at their peak. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because there was there were quite a few things that were in the the free practice three session that I was noticing that uh, definitely were not uh, up to par with what they were saying about the car. And, you know, especially considering uh, the fact that Charles had to take another, it was a power unit. So that was the new power unit that they needed that he took. And that is why has a 10 place grid penalty. So they changed the, they changed the first one and then they had to change it a second time because of issues with it in the first, within the first session of Bahrain. And when he DNF'd in Bahrain, on his, uh, I think it was like, it was halfway throughout the race, he had to take another one. So that's what caused him the penalty. I mean, technically he scored, uh, he, what did he finish? Fourth? No, he actually finished second. I'm, I apologize. But he has a 10th place grid penalty. So he basically will be in ninth place. No, no, in 11th. Is that how that works? So if he was in the pole and he had the, the then he would have started penalty, in 10th. started in 10th? Okay. Yes, that's correct. So because of that that change in the power unit, he had to take that 10 place grid drop. So he placed in second in qualifying, but he he will be starting in 11th 
just under Pierre Gasly. So it's going to be Sergio, Fernando, George, Carlos, and Lance, or Esteban Alcon in the first three rows. So that'll be good. You know, it's another good pull. Uh, Sergio Perez got pulled last year uh, here. So he he's had a, quite a bit of a good luck uh, at this circuit. So hopefully he won't get screwed out of, out of a podium this year because of his um, virtual, or I'm sorry, it was a safety car incident last year. And I think it needs to be talked about that he's the only Red Bull in the top row and even in the top 10 even, which was insane to me because I thought Max was unstoppable. Like he looked unstoppable through every practice and then Q1, he had the fastest time. And then all of a sudden it was just the gearbox of what I'm assuming, what it seemed like to me was yeah, just... It, it was a, it was a, it appears that it was a transmission gearbox issue because he was, he came out of, oh God, I think it was like turn, turn I think 12, it was turn 10, turn, yeah, yeah, turn, turn 10 or 12 in that area. And he went to go upshift and it wouldn't work. So he was, he pulled over and I could hear it when he was trying to get into third. And I was like, okay, no, there's, there's something wrong with this. And then sure enough, he came back to the pits and he got out of the car and they were initially, they were going to try to work on it as fast as they could. Um, but that's, that's in qualifying. So, um, we'll we'll get earlier in practice. He was also the one that was talking about his downshifting was extremely long and it didn't seem right. And then it turned into this. I know basically he was cause Verstappen was looking absolutely solid, um, in the first half of the session, but you know, more towards the end, it appeared like there was, he just kind of wanted to turn down the car a little bit mm-hmm. and kind of like sandbag, I guess, but it didn't really help him when he got into qualifying. I know that Ferrari was definitely having some issues in free practice three. They were, they were still not turning the engine up. I know Charles, when he was coming out of the pit lane, he had to go upshift and uh, it seemed like he was missing first and it wasn't like programmed. Um, so hopefully, you know, that gets sorted out for him and that, that, that they don't have issues tomorrow. I think they're going to. I don't know. It could be a rough start to the season for Ferrari. It definitely is just up to this point. Um, I think the best or like the sh- not shocking, but just like very pleasing moment is that Alonso is is absolutely just killing it. He might not be like the fastest or the top, but he's in the top three every single every lap. And it's just it's amazing. I, I loved I love seeing especially that. when he does his flying flying laps like he absolutely there was uh, I think one lap he did it and it, it was almost just as similar to Max's qualifying lap that he did in 2021 when he crashed on that last corner. It, it was so close to it, but I mean, it, it looked better because, you know, he actually made the turn and he was coming out of turn 27 and it was just absolutely straight shot to the finish line. It was it almost reminded me of like a bullet because it was just so fast. And Lance Stroll is right there, too. Yeah, both both Aston Martins are definitely taking really good steps. It's basically because of the fact that Red Bull's cost cap is having an effect on them in the long run so now each of the teams because of their penalties that they got from breaching the cost cap from last season is now starting to give these midfield teams a better advantage they're starting to have a lot more pace and they're finding more aerodynamic efficiency throughout their laps and it's not just the arrow but it's also the development of the car itself because you know arrow is not just the biggest 
point of the car. It's it's just one of the many pieces of it. Right. No, I totally agree with that. Like, that's a very good point. And that cap could have a very, like, effect on the season that not many people can might see coming. And, and and another actually really shocking thing to me is that Piastri made the top 10. Yes, that, that was... was- that was really good to see, though. I was actually really surprised to see um, Piastri, you know, actually in the top 10. Uh, he yeah. placed, what, ninth? Ninth or 10th? Yeah, tenth? ninth. Yeah, P9. It was a bummer for Lando, but, you know, good Good to know that Oscar had a good uh, qualifying session. We have a lot to dig into today. We also have a special guest on the show today. He will be joining us. Go ahead and dive into the qualifying in depth. And to do that, we're going to go ahead and introduce our guest. He's been heavily involved with motorsport basically his whole life, growing up doing karting, um, having more of an insider look into the workings of Formula One as of recently. Great to have him on the show. Willem, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Willem, insider looking in for Formula One for a while currently working in the game industry on Star Wars, but in relevance to sort of the Formula One stuff, I've um, been in and out of the sport for a long time. I've been watching and following F1 since the mid-2000s with Michael Schumacher, Jensen Button, Fernando Alonso. Been really like heavily invested in the sport for a while. We're glad you can come on the show with us and talk, uh, basically talk shop a little bit. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and dive into uh, qualifying a little bit, and uh, we're going to go ahead and start with Q1. You know, based off of my observations that I had noticed, I noticed that uh, Alpine definitely had some really good pace in the very beginning. Uh, They kind of dropped off a little bit towards the end of the qualifying session, but they had a really good starting few moments. Uh, They they kept themselves basically in the 129s for the most part, um, more towards the end of the session, which was good. You know... I I definitely did notice that Ferrari was lacking quite a bit uh, in the very beginning of the Q3 or sorry Q1 session. It didn't seem that they uh, had made any adjustments up to that point. But to your point with Alpine, uh, I felt like they were a little bit overconfident in what they were their abilities. Because if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that they were the last team or one of the later teams to actually complete a lap. They were for a long time. They looked very strong, obviously, in, in free practice, but it's always very different, the reality, when you do a single lap place, low fuel run, new fresh tires, all the perspectives of that sort of change over time. I would I would caution it as just, you know, they were confident that the car could get into Q2 then and not really see it more than that. Um, you know, we've seen this before in Formula One in the past where teams just do one lap and then they kind of have enough pace and reserves to kind of be able to save a set of tires because of it. Because don't forget, every tire you, you spend is is another wasteful resource that you could bring into to, to the race. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, I think, a big part of where maybe Alpine's strategy was. With regard to Ferrari, they've been struggling allegedly, and it's it's more of a rumor at this point, with generating heat from the front tires, which is a problem for a car that's already eating up its tires. And it means that it has a very fine window of how it works um, during the Grand Prix, where that it takes a while to to heat up the tires, get the grip, get the performance they want out of it. And then tire health sort of drops off a few like laps later. And that's that's or laps shorter than most teams as well. So something that I think Ferrari adjusted going into Q2 was trying to maybe understand how they can unlock more of that performance sooner rather than just sort of let it happen like how maybe like alpine potentially were doing in q2 as well 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because they would because I know that in Q1, even Charles was uh, was talking about um, having issues with with uh, the tires as well. Um, I overheard him on the radio when I was uh, watching the pilot cam that they have for each driver. They I overheard them talking on the radio about the, the tire temperatures and and everything and getting them to the adequate performance that they were looking for in the first and second sectors of uh the circuit yeah they they, um, they, they seem to that that part of the track i think can that's i think where a lot of the assumptions are coming in because don't forget prior to lap one you know or the outlap of, of a qualifying lap you'll notice the drivers are just sort of trying to save that tire health as much as possible so really the heat generation comes to the back half of the lap when you're you're really pushing the tires at its highest limit ferrari seem to have this tendency where they push quite hard early on because they're not finding that grip and then this Apparently, it was showing on the first half of the lap as well, where it looked like the Ferrari just wasn't getting enough of that tire performance early on because they were sort of, they're just not getting the heat or the energy in, into the tires no matter what prior to that. And so that part of the track where it's very front lateral focused, um, with front end focus of the car, seemed to really bite them in the ass <laughs> several times over, over like that qualifying session in general. But they, you know. It recovered, and they, it shows that Ferrari do have genuine pace when it's there. It's just, it seems like a very inconsistent package already, like, you know, now with, like, testing the first race and now the second race of the season, you know, which could be a cautionary tale for the Tifosi as they get into race day tomorrow. So do you think that's what could have been Mercedes's problems with the with the tires? Because I remember Hamilton saying he just had no rear end. Do you think it could have contributed to uh, something that Ferrari was dealing with as well? Well, I think Mercedes' big issue has been that they lack downforce. You know, they have fixed mm -hmm. more or less their purpose saying they've sorted a lot of stuff, but they just lack downforce. So when a situation like that happens, that's probably where you're going to get that feedback. There, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of rear downforce grip because there is no downforce in the back. So therefore, no performance from the rear tires, that connection starts to become more apparent. At least, I mean, like I'm seeing this high level. I obviously am not an engineer and an expert, but I think that's where Mercedes have been lacking the most. It's that all that high downforce performance they had last year was a consequence of also having the huge porpoising issues they've had. They've now roll reversed into this season where it's like, oh, we got rid of porpoising. Now we have no downforce. And as a result, we're also not getting the most out of the tires. But I will say this has actually even happened last year, because if you remember at the British Grand Prix, one of the concerns that Mercedes had was that it would take a while for the tires to really kick in for the Mercedes, because the Mercedes actually had very good tire life throughout most of that season. There was rarely an issue where they would have more wear than other cars. It was a very well refined car when it came to that. And I think what would happen is that that would build up over time and then they would get that performance at the latter half of the Grand Prix, which by then was too little too late. We saw it last weekend as well in Bahrain. Hamilton looked much better in the second half than he did in the first half, but obviously the Aston Martin was quicker than him in the end, and the Ferrari just had a bit more performance than they did. So needless to say, I think that's where that correlation happens, or at least that connection between Mercedes' struggles versus Ferrari struggles. You know, that's that's something we're definitely going to be taking a look at tomorrow, you know, with how they how they start more their tire management and their strategy when they start going in towards the the middle section of the race and the laps and everything. It's going to be it's going to be very important to keep an eye on tire strategies and and what they do cuz they're they're most likely going to start with the hards, right? I would say it's hard to know until the day of the race. If if the general trend is that they're not getting enough 
performance from like the the the, the cars in general. Like they're they're just not getting enough heat from the tires, which seems to be a consistent like feedback across most teams. I suspect they might want to go for a medium compound strategy or even a soft comp- compound strategy to get like to generate a lot more of that early pace and then allow that push latter half of the Grand Prix. But it's really hard to know until we're there on race day what people are going to do. If you're Red Bull, you're obviously going to go more aggressive because you obviously have the best car on the grid. If you're a team like Ferrari, you actually probably will go very aggressive because clearly the harder tire would not get the performance you want anyway. But if you're a team like, you know, Mercedes or something like that, Maybe it's a different problem entirely. Maybe they will go the more conservative approach. Yeah, I was I was just going to agree with that. It's going to be an interesting strategy to go see. So we had we had in the bottom half of in Q1 we had Sonoda, Albon, uh, we had DeVries, we had Norris, and we had Sargent. Uh, one of the things I want to talk before we move into Q2 is Sargent. Uh, so Logan Sargent's had a little bit of a interesting qualifying session in this circuit in Bahrain he looked pretty good um as far as you know with his qualifying even though he was kind of sort of near the middle of the bottom he he had actually moved up if I'm not mistaken he he uh, finished 12th that wasn't a bad debut for Williams I mean you know Albin got ninth or uh 10th you know he looked pretty confident but I noticed like as he was coming out of turn 22 and 23 when he just absolutely binned it, I could tell he got like really, really frustrated. And I, I don't know what happened, but it seemed like he was basically like, okay, something broke, something happened. And, you know, they were asking him to push even more, but he was like, I I really can't push that much because there's really nothing. Do, Do you think it kind of is him saying he's like lacking confidence in this circuit? Cause this is the first time I believe he's been to the circuit as a, F1 driver. Um, no, I think, you know, he's a rookie at a street track. I mean, street tracks are a very different breed of, of circuit because you obviously cannot afford to make mistakes. So, you know, if you do, you end up in the wall. Just look what happened to Norris in, in Q1 as well. Um, you know, it, it, stuff like this happens all the time. I actually think Logan drove very well and has driven pretty well in general the, these first two races. He was definitely not expected to be that far apart from Albon. Um, they expected him to kind of be like Latifi, but more consistent in, in a lot of aspects. That said, like, you know, I don't think so. I think like, you know, he's a rookie. He's learning his boundaries. It's fine to do it this season as long as you can deliver in the pure pace. And to be honest, he was he's been pretty quick. He's been pretty good and quite close to Albon at times. And even this session, if he hadn't had that track limits violation, he probably would have been ahead of him, or at least been a lot closer. So I think that 20th place doesn't really represent where Logan is or his frustrations. It's also too early to judge whether Logan is lacking confidence in this car because, you know, he hasn't got that reference point. He only has his Formula 2 reference to kind of help him and guide him from, like, his racecraft and maybe his general ability, but I don't really think you're going to see much from his ability to know whether it's the car or him making mistakes at this stage of his career. Unless, you know, he consistently finishes last like Mazepin, although you'd have to find a very creative way to be that slow. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I was going to say too, was that I think that Logan got a little rattled just because of his uh, yeah. his invalid lap. And I think he just took a little bit more than he could chew on that corner right there and then spun out and was just pushing a little extra hard than he should have because just because of that invalidness. But I think that's just being a rookie. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, when you have a quarterback first time out, you know, from the 
first pick of the NFL, super talented, you expect them to make a lot of picks early on in their careers, right. and then eventually they iron that out. I mean, that's normal. I mean, like this, this is the top echelon of the sport, if, and there's no room for error with these cars that are very, very different breeds of machine. Don't forget, there's not a single car on the planet that drives anywhere near like a Formula One car. And when you are driving, you know, F2 cars that have nowhere near the amount of aerodynamics or downforce and grip, and then you, you know, they're very low downforce, very draggy, comparative to sort of a Formula One car, which is, you know, it's a go-kart on steroids. It's just like a totally different breed of machine. So yeah, I think it's just, you know, him finding his boundaries. He can afford to make mistakes because he is a rookie. The team cannot hold him to that. But also, I think he has shown and proven that he's got enough performance to do a, a pretty decent job as well. Yeah, and he did really well in practice too. He's, he had yeah. some good to lap times. Yeah, yeah, he looked very good. He's he's definitely one of the the, the rookies that I'm I'm hoping will will make a better impact in their rookie season. Um, but you know, only time will tell. We'll see how he does further on in the in the season, and you know how how confident he is with his racecraft and everything. I want to I want to move on to Q2 and kind of kind of highlight a lot of the things that happened within Q2 because whew, a little bit of a doozy. So we'll go ahead and talk about the the first part. So uh, the the main topic of Q2 was Verstappen had an engine issue or I guess a gearbox issue per se. They're, they're saying it might be a drive shaft, FYI, as 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 we're reading this now. But yeah. <laughs> so at the time of recording, we're talking. It's a it's a drive shaft issue potentially i'm still following it up on that i haven't really seen too much other than the drive shaft thing and the potential gearbox i mean he he looked really really on pace the first couple of laps he did of that session and as soon as it got towards halfway when it was like the six minute mark when all that stuff was going on um uh, it was it looked like he was coming out of turn 10 and he was coming around that other bank at the very north end of the track and he turned the corner and it just seemed like he was just before he was going into turn 11 and it just he could not get it to upshift so what do you what do you think was going on there with that it's a drive shaft i mean like it's just been confirmed by the way um it is a drive shaft oh. issue uh, stuff like that happens i mean like i don't think that's driver prone or any of that you know formula one cars are delicate butterflies they they could look beautiful and elegant and are incredible pieces of kit but small things can cause big issues. I mean, we saw that with Ferrari multiple times last, last season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in, in very creative, creative ways. Yeah. Very creative ways that it would just totally make a, a car fall apart. Well, I think like it's, it is what it is. You know, it, it, he had already a gearbox issue that got replaced after FP3, or I think maybe before either one. It doesn't matter. The Red Bull, I've started to notice that although it has a lot of performance, it does have a few gremlins that I think Red Bull are still keeping an eye on. And I would, you know, I don't think... Um, it's too much of a concern because that car is just ridiculously fast at this stage. And again, that's a different topic entirely of whether that's a good or a bad thing. I have my own views on that personally. But the point of the matter is that I think, um, you know, he will have a lot more fresh parts. He will be starting from 15th. Can he win from 15th? We've seen it before um, with a not as good of a car compared to this car. I think the difference is, one, it's early on in the season. Two, it's a street circuit. Overtaking is not as easy as I think people think it will be. And also, it would depend on how like, easy the his competitors want to make it for him. But I think 
the the reality is that his competitors maybe early on this season will think okay look he's probably going to win this championship anyway which sounds like a downer coming from me but if you're like alonso or hamilton or leclerc do you really want to give max this opportunity to win a grand prix hell no <laughs> absolutely not hell absolute no. hell no like you know i mean but also the thing is if that you know aston does a really good job tomorrow and maybe is leading as someone who has watched alonso since 2004 you there he there's no way alonso is going to give him a free pass you know alonso is like he's very much uh a tough ass he's very he petty yeah because i've i've noticed that he's he's just he doesn't like to lose and i've noticed like you know now that he has a, a an absolute car that he can work with like he's gonna fight to the t to get as as high as he can with um you know we saw it last weekend or i'm sorry last race with lewis hamilton when they kept going back and forth and he was not willing to give up the only thing that would prevent an alonso victory will be perez because perez has been quicker than alonso most of this weekend um, yes and it is a track that he likes so there is a good there's a good opportunity where you could see him winning this grand prix and max finishing second which i think is probably the most likely but let's wait and see overall going back to your point red bull they'll, they'll think that they'll make this press thing where it's a big deal and oh you know we're not going to finish fifth and all that and it's going to be difficult sort of the whole thing that they would make fun of lewis hamilton <laughs> during the, the early the late tens I'm not so worried. Even Leclerc has a challenge in front of him. Even though he qualified second, he's going to have to start in, what, 11th? And probably so more than Max, FYI. Yeah. yeah. And so he that's going to be, those two drivers are going to be something to watch just to see how they can go through the they field. They can battle it out. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Leclerc is going to be Max's first challenge getting up through the grid, and I don't believe Leclerc is going to make it easy for him at all. He 100% won't. You know, last season we saw that when they were playing DRS Chicken in the very last turn, and they that was, you know, to me, seeing that happen, I was like blown away. I was like, yes, yes, That's let's gone keep now. it going. That's gone yeah, now. No, they moved, it, they moved they the moved DRS it. detection point up. In fairness, it does mean Max Verstappen can't brake check to win a Grand Prix anymore. That is very true. So, and I've noticed that's a big trend of his to do. <laughs> he's very good at doing it, or was very good at doing it. I don't know. We'll find you know, out. Like We'll, we'll see tomorrow when... <laughs> When he hits the the actual oops, sorry, press road. the brake there. <laughs> uh, whoops! Might have killed I'm a used driver. To it. <laughs> Force of habit. Force of um, habit. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we so we had in the in Q2 we had obviously you know the big Max Verstappen thing, and then you know we had uh, we had we had Piastri actually looking pretty pretty solid. Um, I was yes. actually impressed. I was impressed to see the McLaren, you know, make its way through through the field and kind of get its way out of Q Q two. Yeah, he finished seventh after that session, correct? Um, yes. Yeah. Yes, he did. At the end of that session at Q two, a lot of those lap times were set on that final lap within the last two minutes. Tells you how and quick the track just, is evolving. Yeah. Right, yes. and it was everybody was pushing so hard. It was yeah. actually very entertaining to watch yeah it was it was a very solid thing to see um <laughs> not to go back to the verstappen thing but uh i remember watching the 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 television footage and they went back into the garage and literally the the engineers are like pushing the cameraman out of the way trying to get the thing done <laughs> and they're like will they make it and then he gets out of the car and they said nope they're not gonna do it I mean, it was it was in fairness. It was like a, a good effort, but I think they wanted to recreate the uh, where where was that track? It was Silverstone, Hungary, twenty twenty. It was Hungary, yeah. yes, Hungary, twenty twenty. 
Yeah, unless that was insane. I mean, that was probably most of those mechanics are having a heart attack while that was going on too. Uh, I mean, I would have been as well because ah. you got thirty minutes to the formation lap and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, are we going to see it again? Nope. We're not going to see it again. The good old days when Red Bull were crashing a lot more than they were finishing races. <laughs> Never <laughs> thought I'd say that, by the way, because like the Mercedes era was extremely arduous at times, too. And like now it it's like now we're like, oh, man, remember the days when Lewis was winning everything? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Even Vettel when he was. Uh, oh, no. When no. he had that period of dominance. We're, we're not going to stoop to that low. That was bad. That was really <laughs> that bad. Was, he was absolute <laughs> savage. I actually I actually put on social media recently at the European. I, I enjoyed the European Grand Prix more than I enjoyed the Bahrain Grand Prix. And if any of you who have been watching Formula One since the 10s want to know the most boring Grand Prix track on the planet, the European Grand Prix was one of them. But the 2011 one was perfectly boring. Like, the perfect definition of boring, and I'd rather be, you know, using a Xanax to put me to sleep. Like, you know, it was just the worst, <laughs> the worst race ever. Uh, Vettel won, lights out. It was a, lights a total out. snooze fest. Oh, it was the worst. <laughs> Middle of the summer, too. You know, we had signs. He wasn't in the top five, and, you know, Alonzo was first at the end of Q2. He had a really, really solid lap in the end of q2 that was that was very interesting to see i was i was really really excited to see that they were literally only a tenth and a half off from perez aston martin is looking really solid and i'm i'm hoping that tomorrow that they will either take first or they're gonna give perez uh a run for his money same i was so i was wanting alonzo to get that pull because alonzo hasn't had a pull in in a decade and he was just so close i, I would say though that alonzo has never been a qualifier like ne never like when people think of Fernando Alonso, they don't really think about uh, th they're not really known. It's like he's not really known for, for right that at all. Like I think he has I think more wins than he does pole positions, if I recall. So I, I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, without a pole in a decade, I'm he's won. But it says a lot about more. who he is, though that he's a better yes. racer than he is, and also. One thing I would say, that Aston is not that far off on race pace compared to qualifying place. And he's going to be in third place, grippier side of the grid. There is a true. And he is one of the best starters in Formula One. Fernando Alonso is going to be the one to watch at the start. You know, Stroll was actually looking pretty good too when uh, he did his laps in Q2. Forgot where Stroll um, ended six, right? Stroll ended at six, yeah. yeah. Yes. He, uh, with a 128.9, uh, wasn't, wasn't bad at all. He was literally a hundredth off of uh, signs. Yeah, he had a signs had a nine thirty one and uh, Stroll had a nine forty five. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't too bad. But uh, in the end of Q two, we had Hulkenberg, uh, Joe. We had Magnussen, Botas, and obviously Verstappen uh, at fifteenth. So it'll be interesting to see how Hulkenberg does. Um, you know, regarding Haas, yeah, he looked pretty solid. But I think to wrap up Q two, he he did pretty good with. Um, his qualifying pace. Just not enough to get through, but that's okay. We'll see how he does. Q3. So we have, obviously, the pole sitter, uh, Perez. You know, he did some good qualifying laps as well with the finished off with a 128.2, uh, 2.65 to be precise. And then we had um, Leclerc, but Leclerc doesn't really count because he goes into the uh, 11th position. 12th, I think. Yeah. 12th, 12th position. So he, um, he'll be in 12th, um, due to his, uh, 10th place grid penalty. 
and not really much to say about Q3. We had a lot of good stuff with Piastri. Uh, Hamilton and Russell didn't really they didn't really wow me. You know, I was I was good to see Russell was up in fourth, but He's gonna start P3 now. Russell, okay, yeah, wow, that's insane. Actually, the more you think about it, and then yeah. Hamilton's down there in P8, but I guess he'll be P7. P- P7, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Piastri will be eight. It's like basically you're just moving everybody one slot, except for Claire. Then you get moved down to uh, 12. More Ferrari pain. It is fair to say, though, that Hamilton is usually better at the races uh, already this season than Russell was last weekend. But I will say that that was a trend last year where that trend has continued where Russell didn't do well in the first race. He was like a no factor in Bahrain uh, this year. Um, but in this, like in Saudi Arabia, he was like up there in P4, if I if I recall. Keep an eye on Russell where he is. He's P3. That's not a bad position for the Mercedes to be in. And because that car is very low on drag, it will probably be racier than the Ferrari. I would be I, when I look at like kind of where the grid order is going to sort of represent itself going into the next sorry into the race. I think that the driver to really look to is to see where Russell goes. But I think Russell's going to struggle. Because he's going to have to keep Sainz, who I think is a has a faster package than he does. Um, and then you're going to have to try and catch up with Alonso, which, if that Aston is as good as it was last weekend, that's going to be really tough. The big question will be, like, you know, could Alonso beat Perez? And could both of them beat Max? Max will probably have some drivers move out of the way for him, just because that's what's happened a few times in the previous few years. Uh, it's unfortunate. I don't know why they do that sometimes, but I guess they do it because they know that they can't be bothered and they want to just focus on their race, save some tires. But overall, I would say the the big question mark out of that qualifying session is just, you know, can the Ferraris ignite those tires quick enough or towards the, the first half of the of the race? Because if the Ferraris can do a good enough job at the first half of the race and can switch those tires on and can be able to manage their degradation, they'll definitely be a much more competitive package than they probably were most of this weekend. Another thing to point out, Leclerc has only been doing race sim runs um, this whole weekend. So we got to keep an eye on that too, because that's that's going to be a big factor. I, d- I definitely agree with that because I I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch how Sainz and Russell, you know, duke it out as soon as we get into the opening stages of the, the race. And then we're, we're obviously going to try to see who blinks first with uh, Perez and Alonso as long as, you know, nothing happens. But we can get we can get into the predictions here in a moment. But um, I think before we end this Q3, Piastri ended you know, with a 129.2, or not far ahead of him, is uh, is Lance Stroll with a 128.9. And I think it's going to be interesting to, to notice how, basically, you know, how Piastri will hopefully be able to navigate through Hamilton and Alcon as long as nothing happens. We know that there's a 100% chance of a safety car based off of the past two, two years of uh, us coming to this track. So I think it's going to determine, you know, what's going to happen, who's going to make the undercuts uh, or the overcuts per se. And then as long as there's no uh, safety cars, you know, impeding on Alonzo or Perez, um, then we'll we'll see what happens. Because I believe last year uh, Perez started on pole, but he due to the safety car incident, he he ended up in fourth. Right. I think so. Yeah. Checo made a mistake and eventually it led to Max winning the Grand Prix with Charles yeah. Leclerc second. In fact, actually, Carlos and Perez were quicker than um, than both drivers, but they fell short on the tire strategy. And then the, the that really left him through. I would say with Piastri, 
Although he had a good qualifying session, I don't have much hope for them in the race because they've really struggled in race pace more than single lap performance pace the mclarens and that i know it's painful for mclaren fans to probably hear that but the reality is that's where they are right now mclaren yeah and i i believe in in the the speaking of the woods and like things i hear from the grapevine uh they won't actually start getting any good upgrade packages until like april or may and that's when it's like baku and, and yeah that's if, sad. That's if even, because if you're McLaren, is it worth investing in the upgrades onto this package right now? You're basically doing another rebuild again, and you may as well sacrifice this year for next year. And I think even Lando would probably prefer that more than maybe, you know, you know, this car has just not been good enough and the philosophies behind it need a complete new rework. And I think they're going to have to find new and clever ways to build upon like a new package with those two drivers because i don't think this is going to this package is going to work and there's going to be that type of turnaround i also think mclaren will have to just be cautious about you know what they're promising to lando because although i love lando and i love that he's in a mclaren he, he is bigger than mclaren right now and he could probably Absolutely. dive off to another team like ferrari or mercedes if he felt like it i mean it's probably not the wisest thing to go to those two teams for different reasons, but overall, I think McLaren have to come up with a plan that evolves and revolves around their two drivers versus the plan they have now, because Andrea Stella is now the new guy running the show, Seidel's and, you know, Sauber. He's running Alpha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sauber Alpha going to be team principal for probably Audi um, going forward. So we'll see what happens, but I don't have much optimism about where uh mclaren are heading this season and at least i'm not zach brown but if it were me i would just cut your losses and just focus all your resources into next year and see what happens because that's probably worth more of a gamble than this season that's very true okay why don't we why don't we go ahead and shift gears here for a moment so why don't we go ahead and get into our predictions and talk about what we think is going to happen for the race. Um, Willem, since you're our guest, uh, why don't you go ahead and give us your top three predictions for the race? I'm um, being realistic. I I see a Checo Perez, Alonso, Verstappen top three. I think Verstappen will probably get some positions ahead, and I think he will bank on a safety car, which, as you said, 100% chance that could happen, although we haven't had much incidents this weekend, so... Who knows? Um, different, of course, when you're on heavy fuel runs. Um, but yeah, potentially uh, you could see Max on the podium, and I think the chances are quite high. I think Alonso will keep second. I, I think he'll be on the podium full stop because the race pace of that Aston is is just too good, and he's too reliable of a hand to not make those type of mistakes. But I think Checo, the reason I'm only saying Checo goes in P1 is because one, Checo has been quicker most this weekend than Fernando, and two, that package is just too damn good and he'll be in too much clean air ahead of him to make that many mistakes and plus he's good on street circuits um maybe even better than verstappen i think he has more wins on street circuits than verstappen does maybe i'm wrong um but that's that's what i'm banking with i'm going with that prediction pretty solid i'm gonna go alonzo p1 and then perez p2 and then you know i don't think leclerc is gonna get up there he'll, he'll probably be in the top five if he can survive uh, lap one right <laughs> yes 
Yeah, yeah, if yeah. He can, or for if I he can find survive. a new way to to sort of screw up. <laughs> okay. Maybe Alonzo will lead the two Red Bulls, so it'll be Alonzo, Perez, and Verstappen. And, and see, I think that's only going to be possible if Perez makes a mistake or somebody just absolutely punts him out of the way, um, you know, with, with the opening lap. Or you know something like that. As long as he has the ability to get away, then he could. That could definitely be a possibility. All right. So I went. I went with the same predictions, sort of. Uh, I went Alonzo P1, Perez uh, P2, and Verstappen with a P3. Um, just because I, I have a feeling that he's going to pull the same thing he did in Belgium, where um, kind of like what Willem was saying. You know, people are just going to get out of the way. He he's he's going to weasel his way up to the top. Um, as long as nothing else happens and he doesn't have any more reliability issues, um, you know, we'll we'll see him definitely on the podium. My uh, two other predictions for this weekend are uh, we could potentially see uh, Logan Sargent in a top 10 position. I know I know that wow. sounds really I know that sounds really ambitious and optimistic. And Willem and Josh are probably shaking their heads like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> you blood, um, you patriot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it has nothing to do with it. It's just I, I I feel like he has good pace, and I I I was impressed to see what he did in Bahrain. So I have optimistic Hope. feelings. I have optimistic feelings for him, but we'll. That's why it's a prediction. We'll see if it. We'll see if it actually happens. That is a tall order. It is a tall order. And Mazepin is going be to be the world champion this season. Crazy. It it wouldn't be a crazy thing. If if it didn't happen, um, and then my last my last prediction I have for this weekend is that um, Devries and Sonoda will probably end up um, coming together. Why? I, because, dude, Sonoda has absolutely the worst luck with this track. Devries and Sonoda might might have a potential coming together. We'll see, but. That's just my guess. It's very outlandish for all of my predictions, but we'll see. The first one, not so much. Um, the second two, potentially. We'll see. Nice predictions. Closing statements for what we're doing it? I say that Piastri goes out of the top 10. Gasly uh, places 7th or after, later. It's a good prediction, actually. <laughs> it's a very good prediction. It could be, yeah. I think that is going to close out our podcast. Thank you, Willem, for hopping in and sharing your thoughts and predictions and your F1 expertise. It's It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. Likewise, thank you for the invite. Yeah, anytime you want to come back, let me know. We'll do. We'll we'll always be glad to have you back on. Um, Josh, anything you want to say before we head out? I just want to thank Willem for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Likewise, great to get to know you. Yeah, likewise, dude. It was an awesome experience. And uh, in that case, we'll see you guys tomorrow with uh, the race. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Apex F1 podcast. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.